0: We're only five days away from the Seahawks kicking off their regular season with the Broncos coming to town. Which matchups are going to dictate who wins the season opener at Lumen Field? It's time for our first annual matchup Wednesday here on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Join me for our Matchup Wednesday edition, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're only five days away from opening kickoff, Monday night football, Seahawks, Broncos, Russell Wilson returning to town, really starting to get that itch now, Rob, that it's almost here. And what really puts it into that gear, we are having our first matchup Wednesday of the 2022 season, our favorite episode of the week, breaking down all the key matchups for the Seahawks and Broncos on offense as well as defense. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at bright.co forward slash locked on. That's bright.co forward slash locked on. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Since the Seahawks are playing on Monday night, their schedule this week's a little different than usual. Tuesday's normally their day off. It was Wednesday this week with everything getting shifted forward a day. No injury reports out as of yet. Tomorrow will be the first injury report of the season. As you'd expect this time of year, Rob, both the Broncos and the Seahawks are looking pretty healthy. But there are a few injuries of note for the Seahawks heading into this game. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. Ken Walker the 3rd second-round pick out of Michigan State. Had a fantastic start to his first Seahawks training camp. Was catching passes out of the backfield, scoring touchdowns. You could see the suddenness, the explosiveness, the burst in open field. That second, third gear that he was able to turn on as a runner and as a receiver. But only played in one preseason game. Had a procedure on his hernia. Has been out since. He's been back on the practice field this week, but has not been doing much And so that's putting his odds of being able to play against the Broncos in week one at pretty slim odds, at least in my estimation, not going to rule him out just yet, but it seems like it's going to be very difficult for him to make it back in that quick of order.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And we've talked about this before, Corbin, that running back is a relatively easy position for a player to be able to come in and make an immediate impact, but at the same time, at the running back position, it's not just, of course, about running the football. It's about really being able to, to be stout and pass protection to know exactly what's going on. Ken Walker ha- has shown a great deal of toughness in that regard. He has shown uh, better hands than than I expected uh, in the training camp practices, um, as you mentioned. And there's no question that the guy is an absolute dynamic runner. But at the same time, I'm not so sure that, that even if he was healthy, considering the lack of playing time that he has had at this point that you could really trust him to come in and play meaningful snaps for him, especially when you have Rashad Penny obviously and then also Travis Homer and DJ Dallas playing as well as they did so I agree with you I don't think that we're going to see Ken Walker III on Monday night against the Denver Broncos I'm just hopeful that we'll be able to see him within week two week three of the season
0: And I think that's what the Seahawks should be shooting for as much as you would love to have him out there with his playmaking ability to complement Rashad Penny. You do have DJ Dallas and Travis Homer who have proven that they can handle more extended workloads when necessary. And you're still going to have Rashad Penny as your bell cow. So you get three quality backs. Darwin Thompson could be elevated from the practice squad as one of their Mm -hmm. game day elevations as well to give you another back in case you need him. He's played some special teams. So, Don't rush the rookie back, get him back for week two or week three so that he can make an impact the rest of the season. You don't want to rush somebody back from a hernia procedure, even if they're like Ken Walker, the third and their DNA suggests they're going to be back quicker than other players. You don't want to force the issue. Now, in the trenches, Jake Kurhan, you and I agree that Abraham Lucas is going to be starting this football game regardless of Jake Curhan's health, but I still think this is a significant injury to watch. He's been dealing with an elbow problem since the preseason finale against the Dallas Cowboys. Not going to start, but this is an invaluable player in your offensive line. He's your most experienced tackle on the roster. I know it's only five starts, but that's way more than any of the other players on Seattle's roster, and he's played a lot of guard in the preseason and training camp. Damian Lewis, we don't know what his status necessarily is going into this game just yet. I would hedge bets he's going to be able to play, but he's coming off an ankle injury. Gabe Jackson's getting to be an older player. Having a swing guard and tackle like Jake Curhan, especially in the season opener when it's the first game that these guys are playing four full quarters, injuries happen in season openers, not having that versatility could be a significant issue for the Seahawks heading into this football game.
1: It absolutely could yeah I, I'm significantly more concerned for Seattle uh with the injury to Curhan than I am um with Ken Walker the third again just because of the fact that the injuries do occur um you know over the course of, of the, the a full game obviously um the the limited experience of the the two rookie tackles um and and Kurhan's ability to slide inside to guard as you mentioned so to me Kurhan is an absolutely invaluable uh reserve for Seattle's Offensive line, and if you do start to have some of those struggles for Charles Cross or for Abraham Lucas, then you just don't have anybody in there who can kind of be that that veteran, uh, you know, that might be able to calm people down at least at plays the tackle position. So that was one of the concerns that I had kind of entering this season, and unfortunately, it sounds like that is exactly what's going to come to roost here uh, for the Seahawks with Jake Curran, basically on the outside looking in at this point. I would say this, and at least in terms of some optimism here. Unlike uh, with, with Ken Walker III, who again, because he's missed as much time, I don't think that he would be able to play, even if health-wise he was uh, suddenly deemed eligible. With Kurhan you do know that this is a savvy guy who does have some experience uh, for Seattle. If he is able to play health-wise, then I think that he certainly has the experience, has the know-how to be able to come in and be able to help Seattle out.
0: I think he's got a better chance to play in this game than what Ken Walker III does because he could very easily be back out out there limited at least practicing on Thursday and be ready to go by Monday night. And he is extremely tough, as Pete Carroll has touted. This is a kid that has the mindset to get back on Monday night, even if he's missed an extended period of practice. He does have that experience to lean on. On defense, All the injury news is really in the secondary. Alton Robinson has a PCL sprain in his knee. He has been out there in a helmet. I don't know what he's been doing as far as whether he's been limited or full at practice this week, but at least that's encouraging. So we'll know more about him when the first injury report comes out tomorrow. But in the secondary, there's some good news and bad news. Sidney Jones has been out there. Pete Carroll had a really glowing report about his health coming off of a concussion. They've really been slow playing that getting him back on the field, but he was in helmet and he was catching passes. Looked like he was feeling pretty good. So, that's trending in the right direction. But Artie Burns has been out all week. They tried to bring him back for the preseason finale from his groin injury and he's missed practice this week. So clearly he has had a setback with that injury. His status very much in doubt going into this game. If you don't have Artie Burns and Sidney Jones isn't ready to start, the unofficial depth chart that was updated yesterday, take that for what it's worth. It's an unofficial depth chart for a reason, but. Mike Jackson and Tariq Woolen are listed as the starters, not Sidney Jones in the lineup. That could be some gamesmanship, or maybe that's just a sign the Seahawks aren't sure if Sidney Jones is going to be ready to at least start in this game after missing several weeks of that concussion. If you don't have Jones and Burns in the starting lineup, neither one of those veterans that really know the scheme inside and out. Russell Wilson is going to be salivating, even with the fact Mike Jackson and Tariq Woolen had such great training camps and preseasons.
1: And that's a great point that you just made there at the very end, because they did, they they were, they were arguably Seattle's top two corners uh, in terms of just consistency, uh, you know, and and, uh, in coverage. And so uh, I I think that this is a a story that obviously we need to kind of continue to watch. But but you said it from the jump, you know, Pete Carroll sounded pretty darn optimistic, almost like he expected Sidney Jones to be on the field. We've seen some evidence with with Jones uh, practicing a little bit. And again, this is a veteran, he knows how to play i do expect sydney jones to wind up getting that start but i also expect the other side to for it to be Tariq Woolen, I'm excited about that. I mean, as Pete Carroll has kind of mentioned, I mean, everybody that they have put against him, whether it be a big receiver like a DK Metcalf or a small shifty guy like a Tyler Lockett, Tariq Woolen has basically, uh, you know, answered every question on every test. And, and so I'm excited to see him. I do expect the rookie is going to get the start, and I'm excited about Mike Jackson getting his opportunities. Unfortunately for Artie Burns, it does sound like this injury might take him a couple of more weeks. So I'm, I do think that that is going to be a bigger concern when you start getting some of these clubs that are going to be using a little bit more three and four receiver sets. As we broke down on yesterday's show, of course, uh, Denver with Nathaniel Hackett is more in Russell Wilson, of course, more likely to do a lot of two, perhaps some three receiver sets, but not necessarily the big four or five receiver sets that we might see should they be going against the, the Arizona Cardinals, for example. And really quickly, while we're obviously going to be focusing on Seattle, I think that it's interesting. Denver has not released their injury report yet as well because obviously they're also playing on monday but but two players that uh, that may be very important to them um for a Seattle perspective, maybe it's unfortunate. I'm always in favor of players getting back on the field. They want to beat teams at their best. The right tackle, Billy Turner, sounds like he is going to be able to come back. He's been struggling a little bit with a knee injury that uh, goes back to his time in Green Bay previously. And then they have inside linebacker, Jonas Griffith. And it's you know kind of interesting. We were talking about elbow injuries before with Jay Curran. Jonas Griffith is a tough guy as well. It's only a couple of weeks ago. I think it was three weeks ago that he dislocated his elbow, but he has been practicing for the Denver Broncos he is expected uh, to get a little bit of playing time so knowing that that inside linebacker is a position of concern for the Broncos knowing how much the Seattle wants to run the ball down their throat if Jonas Griffith is not on the field for Denver I think that Seattle might try to pound the rock that much more
0: we should know a lot more tomorrow about the injury situations for both of these teams because per NFL rules they will be required to have injury reports coming out tomorrow with them both returning to practice up next it's our first matchup Wednesday of the season we're going to start with the Seahawks and offense going up against the Broncos defense we're going to get to that here in a moment when I proposed to my wife at Cannon Beach on the Oregon coast I bobbled the ring as I pulled it out of the box and nearly dropped it into the Pacific Ocean off of a rock it's still an embarrassing moment that will never get let down nearly became a life altering experience luckily for me I avoided disaster with onlookers watching at a crowded tourist destination. There's a lesson here. You don't want to be that guy I nearly was, and you certainly don't want it splattered all over the internet. The guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of that ring, no matter if it's lost, stolen, or you just can't figure out what happened to it. Go to bright.co forward slash locked on. It's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover your butt with the best jewelry insurance in the business. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Matchup Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It is our favorite episode of the week, week one all the way to week 18. If the Seahawks make the playoffs going into the postseason, diving into the key matchups to watch in the upcoming game, and obviously the main storyline has been Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson coming into this game, but both teams have a lot of talent away from the quarterback position, and that sets up some very intriguing matchups. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks on offense going up against the Denver Broncos on defense. Rob, what is the first matchup that jumps out to you that the Seahawks have to take advantage of or one that might be a, a little bit worrisome? for them going into this game.
1: Well, I think that you have to at least, you know, mention the name Geno Smith because, as you said, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. But at the same time, because Geno has shown the uh, not only the experience, but you know, he he's been very accurate. He obviously has not resulted in passing touchdowns, um, in, throughout the preseason. But still, if you just chart the accuracy of his throws, the decisions that he's made, then I think you feel pretty good about that. So let's let's dig a little bit deeper. Not worry about the quarterbacks much and focus again on the offensive line because that's really where I still think that that Seattle is going to have to be able to try and hold up uh, those rookie offensive tackles against just a a two-headed monster here that the Denver Broncos have in the past rusher and Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory Chubb of course was a former very early first round pick Randy Gregory should have been drafted in the early first round given his talent but you know some off-field issues are what led him to drop on draft day but he has since proven to be a stud. And you look at uh, at Bradley Chubb and what he was able to do for the folks who are able to, to watch uh, on YouTube. They see 21 tackles, zero sacks from Bradley Chubb. What's the what's the big deal? This guy isn't that productive. But at the same time, this is a guy who has struggled a little bit with injuries. He is a really powerful guy. 6'4", 275 pounds Corbin. I mean, he is just you know absolutely built the way you want defensive end to be built. He's athletic enough to be able to play that outside linebacker spot. He can beat you with speed. He certainly can beat you with power. I think that that Seattle has to be very concerned about him. And Randy Gregory, on the other hand, 6'5", 255 pounds. He's a longer, leaner guy. His bend around the arc is scary as well. Uh, You know, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas have their work cut out for him in this game. Obviously, the game is going to be at Lumen Field. That should help them. But still, there is no doubt about it. As excited as I am about Seattle's improved pass rush, Denver's got some real horses as well.
0: Yeah, for our listeners that are seeing Bradley Chubb had no sacks last year. He played in seven games, and that's being generous because I think he was at maybe 60% for most of those games. He was banged up all season. The year before, he had seven and a half sacks. Two years earlier, his rookie year had 12 and a half sacks. This guy is an elite pass rusher when he's healthy. He has had some durability issues since coming into the league, but he was a top five pick for a reason because he can win with speed. He can dominate you with power. I do have some concerns for Charles Cross going up against him in week one because of that power aspect. I think that might be his biggest vulnerability, at least from the outset, going against NFL pass rushers. Really good power edge rushers are going to potentially give him issues. And so I'm going to be watching that. On the other side, Abraham Lucas going against a guy like Randy Gregory, who's got great upfield burst and great bender on the corner, that might be a real problem for him as well. So this is a very good first litmus test for those two players going against a pair of pass rushers that have different skills and obviously have had different career arcs. Randy Gregory's never had more than six sacks in a season. He's missed a lot of time being suspended from his off-field issues. But when he's been on the field, last year had 17 quarterback hits. This guy knows how to pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. Chubb can do it too, just different ways, more with power than speed. Gregory more of an athleticism-based pass rusher. So these two guys are going to give him issues. And Baron Browning is another name to watch there too. Former Ohio State player, they've moved to outside linebacker, has flashed there in the preseason training camp to keep an eye on. Now, going to our next matchup, you mentioned Geno Smith. And all eyes are going to be on him because you're trying to replace Russell Wilson, who's playing quarterback for the other team. The thing that's really working to his advantage, and we've talked about this all offseason, if Geno Smith is going to be successful, one of the things that's really going to help him is the talent that he's got on the outside. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going up against Patrick Sertan the second and Ronald Darby. Now, Patrick Sertan the second, he looks like a perennial all-pro talent in the making. Former Alabama star, his dad was a superstar in the league. Long time played for the Miami Dolphins, so he's got the pedigree. He's got the size, athleticism, the football IQ. He is the complete package as a rookie, four interceptions, returned one of them for a touchdown, 71 tackles. This kid is a budding superstar. I can't wait to watch him and DK Metcalf tangle because that is going to be one hell of a battle. Ronald Darby has been up and down in his career, though. I think that this is a case in one of those matchups Geno Smith can't be afraid to target Patrick Sertan, especially if DK Metcalf's on the other side. You want to get the ball to your number one receiver. But Ronald Darby has been a player the Seahawks have had some success against in the past when he played for the Eagles and the Washington football team. I think you can take advantage of him. He's a solid player, but he is somebody that can be exploited downfield. He can be beat with double moves. So if Tyler Lockett has time to work his magic against him, he can win a lot of those battles it's going to be on Geno Smith to get him the football. But even with the talent of Patrick Sertan and the safeties the Broncos have, it feels like there could be some vulnerabilities in the secondary that can be taken advantage of. You just got to capitalize with the receiving talent the Seahawks have.
1: Yeah, no question about it. You, you, he, Geno Smith's got to have some time in the pocket, um and, and then he's got to be willing to pull the trigger. And, and so while I was saying before uh, about uh you know he he did make good decisions with the ball. Uh he did throw accurate passes obviously. He still didn't uh, lead the Seattle to, to very many points. No no passing touchdowns and part of that was because at times it felt like that he basically had Pete uh, Pete Carroll in, in his head basically saying, "Hey, I I can't turn the ball over. Let me just check this down." Let Let me just kind of try to scramble away for a couple of extra yards. And that is not going to work against a Denver Broncos team that has the talent at the edge rushers. And as you uh, just pointed out, at the cornerback position as well, I 100% agree with you as far as Sertan. That is one of the the one-on-one matchups that I am most looking forward to as as well as Sertan versus Metcalf, just because of their size, their speed, their pedigree. They played against each other in the SEC, and and there's no question about DK Metcalf had some success against Allen. Alabama. And so I'm excited to kind of see this matchup, but Metcalf can't catch the ball if it's not thrown to him, and so that to me is what really is going to be one of the matchups that absolutely dictates this game. But there's an even bigger one that I think is going to play even more of a role on how productive Seattle can be offensively, and that comes back down to the running game. And so that to me is a, is it something that I think that we have to talk about. We mentioned this before about uh, you know Denver's linebackers being a little bit of a concern for them coming off of some injuries. Rashad Penny being the you know just the absolute game breaker that he was over those last five weeks of last season can he carry that over I think that is that is excuse me I think that is Seattle's best opportunity to pull the upset on Monday night is featuring Rashad Penny over and over again
0: that might not be what some of our listeners want to hear but that is going to be a theme for the Seahawks this year getting back to the run game being physical and what Rashad Penny did the last six games last season can you bottle that up? I mean, he was able to do it in the training camp practices that we saw. Explosive at 230-plus pounds, just like we saw end of last year. Can you keep him healthy? And if you can, can you block well enough up front to allow him to use his elite speed and his playmaking ability? If you can do that, this is a team, the Denver Broncos, I, I think Josie Jewell is a really fun player. You and I both liked him a lot coming out of Iowa. He's one of those gritty, blue-collar players that might not necessarily be the most athletic, but He makes plays in bunches. He stuffs the stat sheet. Very high football IQ. You're not going to fool him very often. He's a player I liked a lot. There are some athletic limitations. He is coming off of a severe injury. He's back healthy. And he's only been an average starter for the Broncos when he's had those opportunities to play. And Griffith, we don't know if he's going to even play in this game. Sounds like he's trending in the right direction, but he's coming off a dislocated elbow. Former undrafted player out of Indiana State. This is not a strength for this football team. You're seeing that a lot in the NFL. A lot of teams are struggling to find linebackers, and some of it's just prioritizing the position or lack of prioritization. Teams are moving away from priori- prioritizing linebacker. But this is a team that feels like if the Seahawks can get that downhill running game going and they get their running backs matched up against these linebackers in space, that they have a chance to win a lot of those, especially when they wear them down as the game goes on. So, yeah, yeah. You don't want to do the cloud of dust three-yard thing over and over again. You're not going to win this game doing that. But you need to emphasize your ground attack. And with the running backs, Seahawks have the interior offensive line they have. You think you got to think that they're going to be able to wear down those linebackers at the second level. And if they're able to do that, get that play-action game going with D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, D. Eskridge on the outside, Marquise Goodwin as well. Maybe Geno Smith can get some of those shot plays where he's willing to pull the trigger. That would be a huge difference for this offense being able to not just sustain drives, but have some explosives and put some points on the board.
1: Yeah, and and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Corbin. I think that one thing that Geno Smith should be able to bring Seattle an upgrade um, than from what Russell Wilson provided them was in the screen game. And, and I would agree with you as far as the way that you describe Denver's linebackers that they they are stat fillers, uh, but they're not necessarily dynamic athletes. And whether that be Jewel, whether it be Griffith, whether it be the primary backup behind both of them and Alex Singleton, good solid football players. But I was I've been encouraged by what I've seen from shot penny in terms of his development as a receiver similar to what we saw with chris carson before and we certainly have seen some spectacular plays from travis homer and dj dallas as receivers out of the backfield as well so again when i when i say feature the running backs i don't just mean running the ball right down the throat over and yeah. over again run the ball but also sprinkle in some screens sprinkle in some things they're going to get denver's linebackers moving around try to mitigate that pass rush on the outside
0: I think it's the weakest point on Denver's defense and that's not taking shots of the players there. Cause again, I like Josie Jewell a lot, but he's just coming off a significant injury and there are some question marks for him athletically. I think you can win some matchups there against him. You just aren't going to necessarily outsmart him very high IQ players. So not taking a shot at the talent there necessarily, but to me, you got to pick on the weak spot. I think the linebackers are the weak spot for the Denver Broncos on their defense. I think you can take advantage of it with your run game as well as your passing game. You could mix the tight ends into this discussion as well. But I think the running backs are going to be a big part of this if Seattle wants to pull the home upset. We're going to shift gears here in a moment. Seahawks on defense going up against Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense continuing our matchup Wednesday. As a diehard fantasy player, I'm rolling with Josh Allen to throw for over 400 yards, Jonathan Taylor to amass three rushing touchdowns, and Cooper Cup to snag 10 receptions in week one. Those might seem like bold leaps, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch, whether it's NFL, MLB, NHL, college basketball, tennis, MMA, even Euro basketball. They've got everything covered. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Price Packs app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play da- daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. It's almost the start of the NFL season. We love this time of year. And if you're into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win. That's why I highly recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app for the most trusted name in sports stats. The app lets you have access to team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons, and Elias insights from the Elias Sports Bureau's research team. It's your one-stop shop for player news and league-validated player stats and team records, expert game analysis for betting, building your fantasy team, and most importantly, impressing friends. As far as what I love about this app, you can see the key injuries that have the biggest impact on the outcome of a game. I can follow my favorite teams and players. I can quickly access all the news and updates for those players and teams. The app clearly labels betting options. It's super easy. With the season right around the corner, don't wait. Download the Elias Game Plan app today. And right now, we have a special offer. When you subscribe, get a 14 day free trial off a monthly subscription plan, but only if you use the promo code Locked On NFL. Find Elias Game Plan Sports Betting in the App Store or Play Store today, and use the promo code Locked On NFL. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks Podcast Matchup Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co host in crime, Rob Rain. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen. Five days a week, we greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza that gets you ready for the NFL season. The local team of experts here at Locked On Podcast Network and Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets combine to form one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, Continuing to dive into the matchups to watch, heading into this week one battle between the Seahawks and Broncos. We just looked at Seahawks on offense against Denver's defense. It's time to flip the script. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos on offense going up against the Seahawks on defense. And Rob, there are a number of tasty matchups. We're looking at Denver's offense with Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson and company going against this Defense for the Seahawks that's now coordinated by Clint Hurt. You've got Sean Desai, Carl Scott as well on the staff. A lot more 3-4 looks expected, more man coverage, you name it. This is our first real chance to see what this defense is going to look like. I think we've got to start, though, with Russell Wilson in one of our matchups. And the quarterback of the Broncos offense going up against the person that I believe is now the quarterback of the Seahawks defense, at least in the secondary And that is Quandre Diggs, who's been the most prolific ball hawking free safety in the NFL now over the last five seasons.
1: Yeah. And as we know, I mean, one of the things that makes Russell Wilson so good is his accuracy uh, and, and just willingness to throw the deep ball. And Quandra Diggs is one of the NFL's absolute best uh, in terms of guarding against that. Uh, you know, so I think that that's going to be a fun matchup. I think that Jamal Adams is a terrific wild card in this game. And I don't know if there's a safety in football, Corbin, who has his closing speed. So just knowing how often Russell Wilson has been able to kind of wiggle his way, uh, away from the pocket and be able to buy some time. I don't know that you can buy time with the way that Jamal Adams is the heat-seeking missile that he is. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see how often the Seahawks decide to send him. And you mentioned Carl Scott and and Sean decide. You know, obviously Seattle, or Russell Wilson, excuse me, has some experience, uh, you know, with Clint Hurt, uh, but not as defensive coordinator, and certainly not with Carl Scott and, and Sean Desai and the different, uh, you know, thoughts that they might have. And then who knows better than Pete Carroll what really gets under Russell Wilson's skin. From my perspective, it certainly has been interior pressure. And so I would not be surprised at all to CCL get a little bit aggressive um, to be able to try to get a little bit of pressure in Russell Wilson's face and see if you can kind of collapse the pocket from the inside out. I think this guy would be a whole bunch of times, almost like, you know, when I was a kid, there was a really popular uh, video game out there, Mike Tyson punch out. And I'm not much of a boxer, but one of the things I learned is that was some of those boxers, if they made a certain dip, that's when you had to start punching. I have to think that the Seahawks have you know, coached up their pass rushers over and over and over again, that when Russell Wilson starts to do his little twist, his little spin away, then you've got to know what he's going to do because he does the same little spin away over and over again. So that's the thing is really making sure that you are keying in on his hips rather than his little head fakes and pump fakes and things like that. And if they're able to do that, I think that this is a matchup that Seattle's quarterback on defense, as you put it, might be the one who is enjoying the most success on Monday night.
0: I just think when you look at what Diggs has been able to accomplish, basically eliminating post route and seam routes down the field. I don't know that you'll see a ton of seam routes from this Broncos offense necessarily, but you will definitely see the post routes. And Russell Wilson loves to extend plays and have those come open deep. So that is going to fall on Quandary Diggs and maybe sometimes Jamal Adams when they're in two deep safety looks. Maybe Josh Jones can be thrown in that mix. So the onus is going to be on those guys to keep the receivers in front of them and prevent those big plays downfield that Russell Wilson has been so famous for the last 10 years with the Seahawks. And as for Jamal Adams, I'm glad you pointed him out because I don't think you can get too aggressive blitzing your free safety, but if he's going to play as a second linebacker, sometimes they their nickel and dime sets and they're going to be moving him around selectively blitzing him, especially if you blitz him some from the interior, which we haven't really seen them do since he arrived a couple years ago you start mixing in those interior blitzes, that can be a real thorn in Russell Wilson's side. And so if you can find ways to do that, as long as Adams is able to get home or at least create effective pressure when he is sent, then that certainly opens the door for Russell Wilson to get sacked or maybe try to unload some uncharacteristic throws, and maybe you can create a quick turnover or two. So I think the safeties are big in this game. Now, another thing that's going to help Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams out We talk about the pass rush. Can you generate that against the Denver Broncos tackles? They have a very good one on the left side in Garrett Bowles, a player who early in his career wasn't necessarily living up to his draft billing, but he was a second team all pro in 2020, had a very solid season last year, played only 14 games, did have an injury that cost him a few games, but still played at a high level last year, did give up five sacks and 22 pressures, but overall a solid season at left tackle. He's a very solid top five, top 10 caliber left tackle you're going to have Daryl Taylor and Chenna Nwosu, maybe Boye Mafe in that mix as well, Alton Robinson, those edge rushers going up against Garrett Bowles and probably Billy Turner on the right side. And Turner was decent last year for the Packers, but Rob, he did give up 32 pressures in less than 500 pass protection reps. So this does feel like this could be a matchup. Garrett Bowles is a really solid left tackle, but Uchenna Nuosu's had some success against him playing for the Chargers in the past. So they've got that feather in their cap. I think Daryl Taylor's speed and underrated power is going to be a problem for Billy Turner. And boy, Mave in third down situations, second and long, when he can just pin his ears back, use his natural athleticism, mix in some of those underrated counters that he started to develop at Minnesota, he can be a real problem too. So if you can get some of those quick pressures off the edge – and prevent Russell Wilson from escaping the pocket, not letting him buy time so he can throw the ball downfield, that's only going to help Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, and your secondary as a whole by preventing those throws from being made in the first place. So I think this is a critical matchup with those edge rushers going up against a pretty solid left tackle and a right tackle that maybe is a decent starter in Billy Turner, but he's been injured, and again, 32 pressures left last year, I think he's vulnerable.
1: He is vulnerable, and that was, of course, with Aaron Rodgers, who gets the ball out of his hands very, very quickly, typically. Uh, Russell Wilson, of course, is often the one of the very last quarterbacks uh, to get the ball out of his hands. Corbin, th- this is a matchup that I think that Denver's tackles frankly nationally speaking are a bit overrated and I think that Seattle's edge rushers frankly are a bit underrated and I am just really curious to see how this plays out especially because this game is on Monday night football is at Lumen Field the Seahawks fans should be full-throated ready to rock and so I think that that is a significant advantage as well and I love that you mentioned that the pass between Garrett Bowles and Uchenna Nuoso Garrett Bowles the knockoff on him coming out of utah was he was a hothead he was a guy that you could get into his head you could throw him off of his game and Eugene nuosa that's one of the things i've been kind of was so excited about when seattle signed him because he is a little bit of a bully he is nasty in that way he will play physical so i would not be surprised at all if that little one-on-one matchup if you like the slugfest i mentioned mike tyson's punch out earlier then that might be a matchup that you're going to want to key in on. I don't know that necessarily is going to result in sacks, but Garrett Bowles, I firmly believe, is not going to have the dominating performance that some are expecting. And then certainly Daryl Taylor's speed—we've only seen flashes of it, uh, you know, throughout training camp. There has been some ugly snaps uh, early on in the preseason for Daryl Taylor, but going up against a guy in Billy Turner who has struggled a little bit with speed rushers, and if if if, uh, if Billy Turner is not able Able to play than calvin anderson who also has struggled with speed rushers in the past that's something i think the seattle should be able to exploit you get russell wilson moving like any quarterback then he likely is going to struggle a little bit especially because he doesn't yet have that established rapport with his receivers he can't it's only been a couple of months since he's been uh you know moved to denver so again i think the seattle crowd has to play a factor in this if they can i and in seattle winds up winning this uh winning the pass rush back If they get more sacks on Russell Wilson than Denver gets on Geno Smith, I do think that Seattle is in a very good position to be able to pull off this win.
0: That is certainly a matchup that I think can play into Seattle's favor. There's a matchup on the back end, though, that I'm not so sure that I'm feeling as optimistic about. And we've talked up the corners. The corners have played really well for the Seahawks. But as we mentioned the first quarter, you might not have Artie Burns, and Sidney Jones might not be starting in this game because he's been out for several weeks coming back from a concussion. They're still trying to feel that out. Pete Carroll sounded optimistic. I still think Sidney Jones is going to start on Monday Night Football. But even if that's the case, again, he's been out, and you're going to have on the right side, Tariq Woolen is going to be starting this game for the Seahawks at corner. This is going to be his first NFL regular season game. He's starting against Russell Wilson. And on the other side, the Broncos have a receiver – that matches up well with him from a size standpoint. Cortland Sutton, a big-bodied receiver that can win downfield, stretch the field, might be the DK Metcalf light for Russell Wilson in Denver. And then you've got speedy Jerry Judy. You're going to either have Sidney Jones matched up with him or most likely Mike Jackson, who again is listed on the unofficial depth chart as the other starter across from Tariq Woolen. And that would be a test for Mike Jackson, who's a really solid athlete, but not an elite athlete going up against speedy player like Jerry Judy, who could be the Tyler Lockett in Denver's offense. And oh, by the way, you've also got KJ Hamler is going to be back for this game too. really shifty quick guy out of the slot has had issues dropping passes. But when he does catch the ball, he's dynamite after the catch can win downfield. So Justin Coleman or Kobe Bryant are going to be tested here. There's just question marks on who's going to play at the corner position, and even with the lack of rapport that Russell Wilson may have with his receivers, he hasn't been with these guys very long, it's still Russell Wilson, and you've got some very talented receivers that were first-round picks or second-round picks at his disposal against corners that, at this point, we don't know who's starting away from Tariq Woolen, and it's his first game as a fifth-round pick. And so that's a lot to ask for a player that's a day-three selection starting right away against Russell Wilson and these talented receivers.
1: It is a lot to ask, and and, and frankly, you know, when we were recording, uh, you know, shows about a month ago. I, I really question whether or not the three Woolen would be up to the task. But you know, throughout the you know, the three preseason games, Woolen has gotten better and better and better, and so I'm really intrigued by this. Uh, you mentioned Cortland Sutton. I personally believe that Cortland Sutton is going to wind up easily being Denver's top receiver this year uh, I think that uh, the rapport that Wilson and uh, and Sutton um, have already generated um, ha- has been obvious uh, you know I, I had the opportunity to go there to uh you know to their training camp for a couple of days and, and it was very clear um, that that uh, Wilson was looking for Sutton including in the red zone where that 64 215 pound frame really puts him in a great position but again one of the things that has done so incredibly well is even when he has allowed the receivers to get their hands on the ball, he's then swiped it away uh, with basically the savviness of an NFL veteran, not something that I was personally expecting. But in terms of a 6'4", 220-pound uh, you know, wide receiver going against a 6'4", 210-pound uh, cornerback with even better speed, both of them playing their college ball the state of Texas, there are so many fascinating aspects to that matchup. I, I can't wait to watch that one Uh, And and then, you know, Hey, I'd love to see Mike Jackson play because this is a guy that I like coming out of Miami. I am not at all surprised that he is putting himself in position to be a starter, but I'd really love to see the pure athletic ability and savviness of Sidney Jones going up against the pure athletic ability and pedigree, frankly, of Jerry Judy coming from Alabama. I think that would be a really fun matchup. And then you mentioned Hamler as well. He, to me, is a little bit of a wild card, similar to Jamal Adams at the other side, uh, just because of his game-breaking speed. You know that Russell. Wilson's gonna get some blitzes here. You know, Seattle's gonna be aggressive. And so if he if any one of these receivers is able to break the tackle of any of these corners and then be able to take it to the house that is the quickest way of silencing the crowd and so to me that's really where it's going to come down to is does seattle able to get enough pass rush on russell wilson and then are they able to tackle once he gets rid of the football so to me this is going to be a fascinating matchup i i don't know exactly what the you know prognosticators are saying i think it's going to be a, a tight game it's going to be a low scoring game and i think it could be one of those that one this tackle could be the difference Yeah,
0: these matchups, if you look offense and defense for the Seahawks in this game, it feels like it's a pretty evenly matched game away from the quarterback position. Can Seattle's star players elevate their game enough compared to Denver's to offset that disadvantage that they have at quarterback? And can Geno Smith step up to the occasion? Going to be diving into that more tomorrow on our Crossover Thursday episode, which will be premiering shortly on YouTube. We're going to get a doubleheader on Wednesday night. Going to be joining Cody Rourke of Locked on Broncos. We're going to look even deeper into a few of these key matchups. We're going to be talking some key storylines. I'm sure we'll be mentioning number three a handful of times in that predictions and much more. You won't want to miss that. I'm Corbin Smith. You can follow me on Twitter, CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at RobRang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming on YouTube five days a week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.